There is now a new note that people are starting to talk about, the Bitcoin. The whole Bitcoin market is about a billion dollars. It's a novelty yeah. for the geek squad. Now there's going to be potentially an ATM where you can exchange fiat currency for Bitcoin. Somebody hacks into Bitcoin, who's going to cover that? Sees Bitcoin as something different. Welcome to the channel, everybody. My name is Artie with CoinCasso, and in this video, you're gonna learn all of the basics that you need to know about Bitcoin. If you've never heard of Bitcoin before, this is gonna be your number one resource to learn everything you need to know to get started. So let's jump right into the definition. Bitcoin, by definition, is a cryptocurrency or a regular currency. Now, I know you've heard the phrase cryptocurrency being thrown around everywhere. So Bitcoin is the original cryptocurrency. Basically, it's a decentralized digital currency without the control of a centralized bank or administrator. It can be sent and received from user to user on the peer-to-peer -peer Bitcoin network without any intermediaries. Now, what does that all mean? I want to break down cryptocurrency into the word itself. Crypto stands for cryptography. Cryptography is a method of protecting information and communication through the use of codes so that only those for whom the information is intended can actually read and process it. So when you buy, sell, and give or trade your cryptocurrency to somebody else, you have a public key and a private key. The way this works is that your private key is only for you to know. Don't tell anybody about your private key. It's your private key, keep it in a safe place. Nobody should have access to this except for you or somebody that you trust a lot. Now the public key, that's used for the nodes in the entire Bitcoin network to verify and make sure the transactions are legitimate. So the private key is used by you to initiate a transaction and the public key is actually used by the servers to verify and validate the transactions. And just to clarify, your public and private key don't have your name associated with it. It doesn't have your social security number. It doesn't have your passport number. It is 100% digital. It's a number assigned to you. So a number sends an amount of money to another number. And then these computers take all these numbers and process them into transactions. So technically, you don't even need to be human to make a transaction. You can have an artificially intelligent computer making transactions. Now, I want to get into the history of currency just for a second here. I know it's going to get a little bit boring, but stick with me, please. Currency has always been an abstract form of value. So if you think about cavemen, they used to trade, you know, a spear for a banana. There was a value associated to both of these things. And one person had picked a banana, the other person had made a spear, and they decided both of these things were of value, so they traded it with each other. And that's how a lot of the open market happened way back when, before there was actual coin currency. People would trade goods and services for goods and services. You could trade a sheep and get 500 pounds of grain. Then, as our civilization developed, we started to use precious metals. Because the amount of effort that it took to mine those precious metals, like titanium, gold, silver, copper, those things were associated with value. Then over time, those precious metals were actually minted into coins. They were smelted, they were stamped, and they made them really, really shiny. So then the whole world associated these shiny coins with a way to transact to get the things that were actually of value, like a banana. Then civilization moved to paper money. And so the gold and silver coins were actually associated with banknotes. And now you could use banknotes, like a five, 10, a 20, a 50, to exchange for your groceries at your grocery store, like a banana. Then came the advent of the debit card. So your cash money was deposited into your bank. Your bank gave you a little plastic card and said, don't worry, you can use this anywhere you want, 
to go buy a banana. And so as time has gone by, we have less and less paper money in circulation and more and more plastic cards showing the digital proof of the money that we put into the bank. Now the main problem with actual currencies controlled by governments and by banks is that you can have situations like they had in Venezuela where they had massive, massive hyperinflation. And so the $100 that you would have had or the Venezuelan money got hyperinflated to the point where it wasn't worth anything. You'd need 21,000 of the Venezuelan currency to buy a loaf of bread. So currently the way that you use money right now, whether it's dollars, pounds, euros, yen, it's controlled by a central bank. And that central bank is controlled by your government. So every transaction that you make to another person or a company to you or a company to a company, every single one of those transactions is tracked and verified and recorded by the person who made it to the person who received it. This way, governments and banks can track how the money's moved, who has how much money, and that's how taxes are established because they know that you have this amount of money and you have to pay this amount of taxes at the end of the year. The cool thing about cryptocurrencies is that it's a currency, it's a digital currency on a decentralized network. So it can be sent and received from user to user without any intermediaries. As long as you have an internet connection, you can make a transaction to anyone in the planet. So when you sign up to be on the Bitcoin network, you actually get what is called a private key and a public key. The private key is for yours to keep safe and secure so nobody knows about it. If you wanna give it to somebody to trust, make sure that you really, really trust them because they'll have access to all of your funds if they have that private key. So the private key is for you to initiate a transaction to another user whereas the public key goes out to the network to verify and validate all the transactions made. And I wanna emphasize this more than anything. When you sign up to be on the Bitcoin network, you do not have to sign up with your name, you don't have to sign up with your passport number, you don't have to have a social security card. All you need to have is access to the internet on your computer. When you log in for the first time, that's when you're issued your private key. You also get a list of words. This is like a password reset for you. So you're gonna write these words down on a piece of paper. You're not gonna write it in a notepad on your phone. You're not gonna put it in your computer. You're not gonna email it to yourself. This has to be a hard copy because if somebody gets access to this, they can reset your passwords and they'll have access to everything. So write these words down, keep it in a safe and private place and make sure nobody knows where it is preferably like a photo album or something. So when you sign up, you're given a digital signature. You don't have to put in your name, you don't have to put in your address. Your digital signature says that you own this account. And when you transfer funds or buy funds, that digital signature gets sent out that says, hey, I own one Bitcoin and I am transferring it to this person. But it's not a person, it's their digital signature. So all the computer sees is this long number, this cipher, going out to another cipher, and then that all gets tied into the blockchain. Now I'm gonna describe the blockchain in a later video. But in essence, the blockchain is basically a ledger. Like when you write down in your journal things that you need to do or things that you've done in your day, all that is is a ledger of transactions made and verified by the network. In that regard, cryptocurrencies are much more safe because they're not mandated by banks. They're not mandated by a central government. It is all a supply and demand chain that is global. So it doesn't matter the economic status of your country, your currency is always the value of what the population associates with that. So depending on how old you are, you should remember a company called Napster. 
Napster started out as a company that can share digital forms of media, whether it was music, movies, files. Napster got very, very popular, but Napster was associated with pirating music, pirating movies. You could download these movies on the internet and have an illegal copy of it. They got shut down by the government because of copyright infringement laws. Then the next evolution of that was the BitTorrent network. And that's the way a majority of people find their digital media on the internet. And the way that this hasn't been taken down by the government yet is that it's not centralized. It's not a central location that's in control of all of these files. All the files are spread amongst all the users on the BitTorrent network. So if you have an application like Views and you have the video or song or what have you, that file gets shared with the entire network. So anybody that wants to access any of those files, they get access to the entire network and they pull a little percentage from here, a little percentage from here, a little percentage from here until they get the full song or full video. And that way nobody is associated with the content. It is all just a free network of randomized numbers tied to IP addresses. And so not one person is responsible for it. It's all the network working together. Bitcoin works in the same way, except instead of music or videos, they use a digital currency. This is the main key on how to keep it safe and how to keep it decentralized. Because there's not one person in control, everybody that's on the Bitcoin network can transact on the Bitcoin network without the need for a central government, without the need for a bank. You can make transactions to anyone in the world as long as they have an internet connection. So now I wanna talk about how Bitcoin was started. In 2008, on an anonymous mailing list called Cypherpunk, a group of users or an individual users or a guy or a girl named Satoshi Nakamoto, they or he announced the publication of a paper. And he states, I think I have solved a problem in computer science and said, I have found a way to create a system of electronic cash. It is direct from person to person on a peer-to-peer -peer network. Now on that day, he had released a white paper describing the software that he had developed to create this peer-to-peer -peer network and create the digital solution for a global currency. Now, I'm not gonna bore you with the details of this. I've linked the white paper down below. It's nine pages and it breaks down exactly how the Bitcoin network works, what is Bitcoin, and everything you need to know, computer science-wise, down below. So check it out if you get a chance. So let's talk about sending and receiving Bitcoin. Once you download the Bitcoin application on your computer or on your mobile device and you sign up and you purchase a Bitcoin, the entire system recognizes that you own that chunk of Bitcoin, that either Satoshi, which is a fraction of a Bitcoin or an entire Bitcoin. So when you initiate a transaction, the system recognizes that you, the user, are in possession of said Bitcoin and are transferring said possession of Bitcoin to another person. It recognizes these transactions from your digital signature as well as the receiver's digital signature. So everything is verified through your private key. Now, pretty much everybody working on the Bitcoin network acts as a node. So if you think about an entire spread of everybody attached to the peer-to-peer -peer network, so this computer's talking with this computer, talking with this computer, talking with this computer, and all transactions are networked in between everyone. So the Bitcoin network uses the blockchain. So the blockchain, I'm gonna get into this in a future video, but just in essence to describe what it is to you, all of the transactions that happen in a 10 minute time frame, all those transactions get grouped together and sent out to the nodes as an equation 
to basically verify and validate that all these transactions were legitimate. These equations are actually very, very difficult for computers to figure out. That's why it takes 10 minutes to solve this equation. So when you hear the term miners, these are actually groups of GPUs and CPUs working in congruence to solve this massive math equation. Once a node thinks they have solved the equation, they send that signal out to all other nodes. Their computers verify and they say, yes, that is the correct answer to this equation. Then that single block, that single 10 minute block of transactions gets locked in and added to the blockchain. So every block is 10 minute increments of all transactions made. And the cool thing about blockchain is once a transaction or once a block or group of transactions is locked in, it cannot be changed without changing the subsequent blocks because each block has a reference code to the previous block. So it ties in all together. So it would be impossible to alter the history of the blocks without altering every single block thereafter. That's why the security in the blockchain is so incredible. Again, I'm gonna get into the details of the blockchain in a later video. This is just a brief description so that you can understand how Bitcoin works on the Bitcoin network. So Bitcoin is not only a cryptocurrency, but it's also a program, a peer-to-peer -peer network. So just to touch back on the history of Bitcoin, in 2009, when the United States was having an economic collapse, you all know the recession, it was a big deal. At that time, Satoshi Nakamoto proposed a solution for currencies, a digital currency that's global without restrictions, without governance, and it's decentralized. Now, I wanna talk about the history of the price of Bitcoin. So when it first started, you could purchase a Bitcoin for less than a dollar. And over the next, Looking at the graph here, up until about 2017, it didn't have much movement. There was a little bit of play here and there, but it really wasn't catching on. And then it started to get in the public eye. And at this point, you could see from 2017 to 2018, the price shot up from about $100 to over $18,000 per Bitcoin. This was a big bull run in the cryptocurrency world. This is what made it gain most of its popularity. This is what made it be in news articles, in newspapers, business journals, newscasters, everybody was talking about it. And like anything in the world, supply and demand. When somebody thinks something is at its highest value, people start to sell. And that's why the price of Bitcoin went down so dramatically because everybody thought it was the peak of the market, so everybody started to sell. Therefore, there was more Bitcoins on the network available to purchase so the value of it was lower because there's more supply and less demand. Now let's look at the last year. In 2019, it slumped down to about $500 per Bitcoin. And now we're starting to see a major pickup just like we did in 2017. It hit over $12,000 recently. It's dropped down a little bit to about 9,000. And these fluctuations I feel are very, very normal, especially with a new currency. People are unsure of its stability. People are trading it to make quick cash, so there's a lot of buying and selling. But I feel like over time, this is gonna stabilize and it's gonna be way, way less volatile. Once it gains more stability, once it gets adapted by the entire world, it'll be a more stable currency. It'll trade like the dollars, yen, pound, and euros. And so as we adapt this new technology in our society, it'll be just like every other currency. We'll be able to trade it and sell it and buy it globally but the difference is there's no restriction. 
There's no centralized government mandating what you need to do. You don't need to put your address. You don't have to put your email. You don't have to put your social security number. This is 100% private. It's 100% secure. And it is one of the fastest ways to transfer funds internationally. Okay, we went over a lot of information in this video. So I wanna recap it for you guys really, really quick. So in 2008, Satoshi Nakamoto, the group, the person, the man, the woman, doesn't matter released the white sheets of Bitcoin, explaining what it was and the future of a digital currency. This digital currency plays on a system called the blockchain, where groups of transactions are blocked together and verified by thousands upon thousands of computers simultaneously to verify the transactions, to make sure they're valid, and to prevent double spending on a Bitcoin so that not one coin is spent twice. This digital currency is extremely secure because it works on this network that not one person controls it, that each transaction is sent out into the peer-to-peer -peer network to be verified, to make sure that it's safe, there is a public and a private key. The private key is yours to keep safe. The public key goes out to the network to verify transactions. And all these transactions are not labeled with people. They are digital signatures. There's no name associated with it. There's no social security associated with it. It is 100% secure and it is 100% anonymous. The next biggest thing you need to keep in mind is that it is extremely fast. There are no middlemen. So if you think about a banking system, a person needs to use their application on their phone to contact their bank to withdraw funds, which those funds are then sent to another bank. That bank receives the funds, communicates with the other person's application, and then that person receives the funds. All of these middle points are governed, monitored, and recorded so that all currency, normal currency like pounds, dollars, euros, and yen are tracked globally. And at the same time, all these middlemen like to take their own cut. That's why international transaction fees are extremely high. But on the peer-to-peer -peer Bitcoin network, a user initiates a transaction with their private key, using their public key to get spread out across the network saying, I send X amount of Bitcoins to this user. Again, it's not a person, it is their digital signature. That person receives the funds almost instantly. I'm talking about very, very, very fast transaction speeds. And the only fee that you need to pay is basically to cover the costs of the computers that run these programs to verify these transactions. So you're basically paying a small percentage of somebody's power bill to make all these transactions happen over the internet. So Bitcoin is not only safe, it is secure, it is fast, and it is global. We've seen the evolution of currency over time. We used to trade sticks and stones and fruits and vegetables, then it went to coin money, then it went to paper money, and now it's more digital in the fact that you have a debit card representing numbers on your computer screen. This is just another step in the evolution of currency. I really hope you guys enjoyed this video. If you have any questions, I know this was a lot to go over. If you have questions about Bitcoin, please post them below. We're gonna be doing intermediate videos on Bitcoin, advanced videos on Bitcoin, so we'll get full in-depth scopes. We'll actually go through transactions. We'll show you how the Bitcoin network works. We'll do actually like live, 
on the computer, on the phone, show you a transaction, walk you through the process, any questions that you have about Bitcoin, about blockchain, about the different types of cryptocurrencies, please leave them in the comments below. We're gonna be making a ton of videos like this, teaching you the basics of Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, and blockchain. If you like this video and got some value out of it, we'd appreciate if you smash the thumbs up button, subscribe for more videos like this, and we will see you in the next one. Thank you.